Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks. I'm your host, Maddie Pollack, Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor and integrative nutrition health coach for cancer survivors. Today's guest is Matt Odie. Matt is a stage 3C testicular cancer survivor and now a keynote motivational speaker and cancer advocate. Get ready to get motivated and inspired with this episode. Hi, Matt. Welcome to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks. <laughs> Thank you, Maddie. I appreciate you having me today. Excited to kind of share my story, but more importantly, my message and, you know, just yeah. help your community out. So I love it. I love the, the I'm name. I'm so too. excited. <laughs> Thank you. It's true, right? Yeah, it's so true. Um, yeah, I'm so excited to have you. I like, I was talking to someone the other day and we don't have that many men on as guests. Like a lot of women reach out, but we don't have as many men. So I'm happy to have you. No, I appreciate it. I think that's a big topic with um, cancer, but also just in men in general. You know, you women Mm -hmm. are way better at sharing your emotions and expressing what's going on. And us men, I feel like we just, we hold everything in. And I think it, it, a lot of our mental health um, struggles and emotional struggles really comes from that. So um, mm-hmm. so I'm happy to hopefully allow some of these men who are listening to open up with yeah. whatever they're going through. So, yeah, I love that. It's so true. Yeah. We love to, the ladies love to chat, you know, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yes. Especially, you know, I, when I hear my girlfriend on the phone and everything, it's like, yeah. he just opens <laughs> up. It's like, I couldn't do that with my friends. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> That's funny. Um, awesome. Well, I'm curious. I'm always curious to hear like how you found the podcast. Yeah. So really it's a lot. Um, I go through a bunch of different ways, but I believe I found yours through Instagram hashtags. I think we connected through Instagram from from, what I can remember. So, um, it's usually Instagram hashtags and what I've been doing is trying to get on podcasts, trying to get through speaking gigs, you know, sharing my story more. And the more I dive into the community, this is how you pretty much get into anywhere in life is you have to dive into certain communities that are meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. And for me, I believe I found you through certain um, cancer hashtags. And then I just saw that you hosted a podcast, felt like we needed to connect and you know, the Amazing. rest is history. So yeah, I love it. That's so great. Instagram, like I've connected with literally everyone from Instagram. It's such like a great especially the cancer community on Instagram. It's so powerful it's really great and so like supportive i would say like social media can be used for so much good if you let yourself you know Mm -hmm. um go that path you know you can look at it two different ways just like anything in life and um you know nowadays that's what social media is it's it's like you know are you going to use it to progress or and help people are you going to use it to look for drama look for you know things to kind of bring yourself down so yeah yeah totally um, okay, I love it. Well, let's get started with your story. Sounds good. So I guess start from the beginning, like when you first were kind yeah. of like showing symptoms and how to figure out that you had cancer. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm 29 now, uh, from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and I was diagnosed at 24. You know, I was a personal trainer at okay. the time, very healthy, eating the right foods. Like I mean, I was counting my macros. I was lifting six, yeah. seven days a week, doing cardio five days a week. I mean, I was in the best shape of my so life. Crazy. And that's where it was crazy because it's like, you no one ever expects to get some type of sickness. So what had happened was over the summer, 
Um, I just started dating Lauren at the time and, you know, we were doing summer activities, hiking, kayaking, all those fun things. And all of a sudden I started noticing these minor back pains and, um, at 24 years old, you're like, okay, whatever. You're, you're absolutely fine. Totally. I'm thinking it's just like, you know, from lifting or whatever, but it progressively got worse and worse and worse to the point where I couldn't lift as much. I couldn't even walk Mm. as much. And I was just so stubborn. And eventually one night I actually ended up puking up blood. Got rushed to the emergency room. I had no choice oh, at this really point. That's really scary. Yeah. So I, yeah. they found out I'd lost two-thirds of the blood circulating in my body, which is actually equivalent to being shot oh with a gun. God. So I got... Oh, my God. Yeah. From throwing up? Throwing up. Like, you threw up that much? Well, I was throwing up at other end to everywhere. Like, it was like... A, oh, like, my yeah, God. I, I, yeah, it was not good. Let's just put it that way. Like, I think... Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. And I'll kind of explain what I think happened, but I don't know exactly why it was so much blood being lost, but... So they pushed me into that emergency surgery. I get six bags of blood. Um, they think it's an ulcer at the beginning that was causing the bleeding. So the next morning, I'm sitting with my parents. It's just me and my parents at the time. And uh, my doctor walks in. And right away, I'm like, okay. He has this blank stare in his eyes. And I knew something was just dead wrong. So he comes over to me, mm-hmm. sits down, he grabs my hand. And he said, Matt, <clears throat> we found an 11-centimeter tumor in your small intestine. We're almost positive it's cancer. And we're going to have to transfer you from our local hospital directly over to the main campus of the Cleveland Clinic, which is, thank goodness, one of the top clinics in, in the entire country and in the world. So um, mm-hmm. I was, you know, right at my doorstep. So I get rushed to the clinic and they do a ton of different tests on me. And that's where they found out that the highest stage is cystic cure cancer. Now, where I think the bleeding was coming from was that the tumor was wrapped around um, my inferior vena cava. Now, an inferior vena cava is basically a central vein that goes from the bottom of your upper body to your heart. And it was squeezing it. Mm. I don't know if it was like leaking or whatnot, but I mean, that vein was completely damaged and um, it could have been from the tumor hitting other nerves and other things as well. So, um, you know, as soon as they found out that I had the high stage of testicular cancer, I mean, they found out it spread pretty much all over my body. I was um, directly put on five rounds of what's called BEP, which is bleomycin atopicide and cisplatin. It's very potent drugs. Mm. But mm-hmm. take a little backtrack. You know, when I received the news, everyone's like, Matt, how did you receive the news? I mean, you were this healthy personal yeah. trainer and now you're you're here. And uh, this is where like we were just talking about, you know, as men, we feel like we can't express our emotions. We feel like we need to be the strong person. And that's what I felt like. Like I saw my parents crying and you think, oh, I'd emotionally, mm-hmm. you know, directly get emotional, but I didn't. I was just like, okay, how do I be strong right. for them? How do I be strong right. for And survival mode. Yeah. How do I be strong to share this news to Lauren, who's dating me for two months now? Mm. And, you know, all my friends and family. Wow. Lauren, yeah. So, two months and you guys are still together. Yes. We are still at five years now. So it's a big story too. So it's really cool. I'll, Can we bring her on? <laughs> I know. She's not here. She, it was funny as you were, as you were doing this, she called me, but um, if she's here, I'll have her come on. I'll, I'll see if she'll No, come no, on. this is yours. This no, is yours, but I'm cool. curious just from her perspective too. I think it's like, yeah, that's so amazing. So she didn't get the news from me. She got it from my parents um, because okay. I think I was in so much shock at the time and I had to know, like, you know, I was getting put in an ambulance to get to the clinic and all these things. So she originally right. found out I get to the clinic and then all of a sudden, like, you know, all my emotions just kind of let out. You know, I, I at first mm-hmm. I was so nervous because I was like, is she going to break up with me? I mean, that's a big burden to put on somebody. I, it's two months. Like, yeah. I right. no hard feelings. But instead, you know, we were we just started crying, hugging each other. And I think right then and there, all of that um, stress and anger and things that was built up inside of me was slowly finally getting able to be released. You know, I look at it this way. Every Mm -hmm. time you go through something challenging in life and every time you hold it in, 
it's like an extra weight of, you know, stress, extra weight of anxiety, extra weight of PTSD or depression. And, you know, when you finally are able to talk to just one person, it's not like what I have to do. You don't have to be doing what I'm doing here, what you're doing. And, you know, yeah, I think it's incredible, but start with somebody, you know, like, and trust. And for me, it was with Lauren and, yeah. you know, it allowed us to instantly grow in our relationship. It went from like a two month relationship to feeling like a two year yeah. relationship or 10 year relationship. <laughs> right. So um, yeah, but it really also gave me the um, ability to realize that I had somebody there no matter what I was going through. And I think this is a good lesson mm-hmm. for everybody is who in your life is that person when you're going through doesn't have to be cancer, it could be cancer, whatever traumatic experience you're going through in your life, you know, that person is going to be there for you. Because a lot of the times, and I do still do it, we can take that person for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just like, okay, they're in our lives, they're going to be there for us. But I think we need to take a step back someday and just say how much we appreciate them in our lives, how much they've done for us, mm. because not only is it going to make our days better, it's going to really allow them to, you know, um, make their day a lot better as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's kind of a message for me for a lot of those people who have those people in your, in your life. And, I, and we do, every, almost all of yeah. us have that one person. So, um, totally. Yeah. It's my mom for me. There you go. <laughs> that is, it could be a parent, it could be a friend, it could be a spouse. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, and for me, so then I was put on my five rounds of chemotherapy. Um, you know, I did, I, I, you would probably know, you know, chemo sucks, it blows and you, I had all the symptoms, any symptom you've ever heard of. I mean, I had it, I was nauseous, fatigued, lost my hair. Um, I lost my Mm. three-year-old puppy in the middle of chemotherapy, which was my best friend. He was diagnosed with cancer right before I was, I took him to all his chemo sessions and then he passes away. Oh my God. Yeah. I've heard of that so many times, which is really creepy. Like, sorry, not creepy. Maybe creepy is the wrong word. It's like, I've heard of that several times with, with dogs. Wow. It's so crazy. Like that the dog gets cancer at the same time. And I don't know if it's like their energy is trying, like, because I, I think either. dogs are like the most amazing creatures ever, but that's so sad. So that was right before you he is, you were diagnosed? He was diagnosed right before me. And I, I was the one who took him to all his chemo sessions. And then he passed oh. away during my second or third round. And it was oh my God. devastating to say the least. And, and I always look at this, like, you know, a good lesson in life is I always look at everything's happening for you, not to you. And what I mean by that is you can take a crazy difficult situation that is completely unfair and you can go two ways mm-hmm. with it. You can say, why is this happening to me? You can start making excuses. You can start blaming other people, or you can say, how is this happening for me? You can start using it as mm-hmm. a lesson. You can start growing into a better version of yourself and you can then help other people. But I'll tell you right now, as much as I wanted to say life was happening for me in that moment, I had cancer. My best friend, yeah. I felt like had passed away. I went right into excuse mode. I mean, I didn't want to go to chemo. I was just mentally right. broken. So that's what I had to rely on my faith. I'll tell you right now, I don't, I don't push faith on anybody here. You know, whatever you believe in. I mean, I, I'm Christian, so I really needed to lean on God for for my help. Yeah. And I think whatever faith you have, you need to lean strong onto it because when you're going through challenging moments in your life, guess what? You are most likely, yes, you can have support system, but you're ultimately a lot of these battles are going to feel lonely. They're going to feel like mm-hmm. you know, you know, yeah, it's very isolating. You're gonna, yes, you're almost going to feel like well, yeah, sure, they can help me, but they can't actually relate to what I'm going through. They don't have cancer. Yeah. They don't have X, Y, and Z. And um, it was easy to, to be a victim in that situation, but I persevered. Mm. I stayed strong in my faith. I did use my support system. And um, I think that's mm. a, a good advice for anybody who's going through um, a new chapter or a new um, 
you know, <clears throat> part of their life to break those barriers. So I'm curious. So I want to get into the faith stuff too, cause I'm, I'm curious about that. Yeah. Um, and, but the chemo part of it, were you in the hospital? Like kind of how, what was the process like getting diagnosed through chemo? Kind of like how long was that? And yeah, you know, great question. Stuff. So here's the unique thing too. Um, with testicular cancer, I would say over 90% of men have some symptom in their testicle. I mean, that's just normal. Mm. I did not. Yeah. So when doctors, that's why they had to do a ton of tests on me. I was there. I was actually mm. at the hospital for a good week of maybe not a week, probably like three or four days of just pure testing. And then yeah. I stayed in the hospital for a week because um, they wanted to monitor me on chemotherapy. They wanted to see where my tumor markers are because how they mark testicular cancer is through AFP. Mm -hmm. It's a tumor marker. There's other tumor markers as well, but this is one they, they mark me as or mark me okay. with. And usually your AFP marker wants to be below five, just a normal marker. Mm -hmm. Mine was above 80,000. We'll just put that in perspective. It was Whoa. off the charts. So wow. um, they wanted to monitor that. They wanted to make sure things were starting to slow down and, and things like that. Right. So I stayed at the clinic for about a week and a half before I was even able to go home. Finally, mm -hmm. I get to go home and every, I mean, every Monday through Friday. So how the, the cycles worked was it was a Monday through Friday, you get um, chemotherapy. So I had to go to the clinic. Then I get um, a Monday after that, I had what's called bleomycin. So bleomycin was only yeah. Mondays and Mondays. So I had that. And then I got a, oh, a week okay. off. Yeah, then I got an entire week off. And the part that sucked was, you know, I was able to go home and stuff, but every time you started to feel good, you're right yeah, back on chemotherapy yeah. and this chemotherapy just beats the living shit out of you. Sorry, but it does. It really does. You yeah. know, you day seven is usually where it's like, I can't do shit. Like you're going to yeah, have to get my got food it. if I can eat. Right. Yeah. It's, it, and, and, and there's a lot of chemo like that. Um, but yeah, so, yeah. um, that was kind of like how it was, you know, it was uh, five days at the clinic and then I'd go home mm -hmm. and, and I, and at the clinic, I'd stay there for about three to five hours. Usually either Lauren or my mom or uh, my dad would take me and, and, and stay with me. Mostly my mom would take me to him. Lauren would come and visit a lot. I have some friends and stuff. And what really helped yeah. me was um, the clinic has what's called a fourth angels mentor program. So they take um, cancer survivors who've gone through the same chemotherapy, the same um, diagnosis as you. And they, they allow them to go into the room. This was obviously pre-COVID. So wow. they allow, yeah, they allow you to go into the, the room with you and talk. That's amazing. And I'll oh tell you God, right now. So cool. Yes. Yeah. World of difference. World of oh freaking God, difference. That's amazing. Because think about it. You know, when you're going through this, like your parents and yeah. your loved ones, they want to help you, but they don't know what it's like going through chemo. They don't know what it's like when you're like, I'm just yeah. totally mentally drained or physically drained. And to have his name was Ronnie and he was just such an incredible guy. And he would just be like, listen, yeah. man, like I get it. And by him just even saying that and knowing that right. I wasn't alone is so powerful. And that's what I would tell everybody with cancer is I promise you, you know, we'll get to this. I have a group of <clears throat> now mm -hmm. over 3,500 members, survivors, patients, cancer survivors, cancer survivors, patients, and caregivers. You think you're alone. And then all of a sudden you realize really quickly there's a lot of people out there that are struggling and it's, it makes you feel like, you know, okay, I can do this. It gives me hope. It gives me meaning and purpose that this isn't the end. And it, that's mm -hmm. what it allowed me to do. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, after chemo, it was like, okay, I'm thinking it's over. And honestly, that is 
was unfortunately the easy part and now with all the yeah. complications coming into play we can get into that if you want this will become where more of my faith comes yeah. into play too so yeah um, i am curious like what yeah what happened after yeah so here's what happened I'm done with chemotherapy i go to my oncologist sits down with me he goes all right matt good news and bad news good news your tumor is now only three centimeters is 11 centimeters about three and a half months ago everything's shrinking everything's doing its job i'm like Awesome. This mm-hmm. is great news. I'm like, can't be that bad news. He said, but the tumor is still wrapped around your vena cava, and that is going to make our surgery way more complicated. It's probably going to be about mm-hmm. a 10 to 12 hour surgery. We're going to have to have four surgeons involved, wow. and we have no idea what the complications are going to entail. So, those two weeks between, oh yeah, when I talked to him from just before Christmas to right after New Year's was one of the longest two weeks of my life. Um, oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. yeah. I just, I just wanted to get it over with, but eventually I persevered. I got through it. Um, you know, I got to the day and, um, you know, they did the 11 hour surgery on me. They ended up removing the rest of the cancer. They had to remove the vena cava and I went into it at about 145 pounds. So I lost about 40 pounds during chemotherapy. I was a 185 pound personal trainer before that. Wow. So, oh my God, you lost 40 yeah. pounds. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the kicker. Coming out of that surgery, I was about 190 to 200 pounds. So here's what, what happened. Yes. Yeah. My body went into some survival mode. It started to kind of shut down. And all of my legs, my stomach, especially because they cut me open from my left hip to my right hip. I mean, I had a massive, you know, um, incision. Mm-hmm. And my stomach was swelled up like a balloon, my face, everything. And I remember waking up and this was two days later, I actually woke up because they kind of sedated me and uh, I could not move. And, uh, you know, it took me a couple of days to, yeah, it took me a couple of days. I remember asking the doctor, I'm like, I feel like swollen everywhere, everything. I'm like, is this going to drain like all this fluid? And it was starting to drain from my stomach because I had a draining tube. And he's like, should drain, you should be okay. Let's give it a couple more, you know, let's give it a week or two and we'll, we'll monitor it. Um, So about a week goes by, I'm out of the hospital. And then about another week or half a week to a week goes by. And all of a sudden the draining just stops. Mm. Not in a good way. It just stops. It should have still been draining. And I was in so much pain. I was at my parents' house. I had to get rushed back to the emergency room. They immediately had to drain seven liters of fluid out of my stomach. Caused me to go into... Yeah, it caused me to own a complete li- kidney and liver failure. I had a cone <sighs> drilled inside of my head to relieve potential brain swelling. I had a catheter in my chest. I had a catheter in my neck because I thought I was going to be on dialysis the rest of my life. And this is where I fell into a two-week non-induced coma. <clears throat> oh, so, my gosh. That is yeah. great. What, like, how, like, I don't understand how the body, do you, do you know how the body, like, gets all that fluid? Like, that's. That is an excellent question. Something I'd have to ask my surgeon or nurses about. Um, But my body was not in good shape. And it took them three surgeries. So they didn't drain all seven uh, liters of fluid right away, but they had to start draining. It took an additional, like, over the course of 35 days, I had five surgeries. I'll get to the fifth surgery. But through those four, it was about draining the fluid through my stomach and getting me back to normal weight. And Mm -hmm. um but here's the story of faith. So I was in my coma mm-hmm. for two for two weeks. And, um, you know, of course, my parents and Lauren, they never left that room. Like, right. literally, they just did not leave. And Lauren would, uh, she'd come over every day, she'd hold my hand, and she'd just pray for me, pray mm-hmm. for me to wake up, pray for, for healing. And my mom, who's very faith based, she would hold a prayer service at our local church. She only mm-hmm. had she held three of them. And I mean, hundreds of people come to them. We'd have 
hundreds of people outside of the church, like, you know, around the world, apparently from what I heard, like we had people in Asia, we had people in Africa, we had people in Australia just praying for me. And um, dead smack middle, in the middle of the third and last prayer service, as Lauren was holding my hand, as she was praying for me was the moment I woke up from my coma. Oh my and, God. And yes. And, um, you know, for me, um, it was a sign that God kind of said, listen, Matt, this, this isn't the end of your journey. This, yeah. this is just the beginning. And I, mm-hmm. I want to ask a lot of people out there who feel like they're in a rock bottom situation. Maybe it is cancer. Maybe it is financially. Maybe it's a relationship. But just know that most of the times rock bottom is actually a new chapter of such a brighter and bigger opportunity in your life. And you may not see it. Most of the time you will not see it in the beginning, but to remember the only, or the only place you can go is up from, from that rock bottom situation. So I remember Lauren, she ran over to the nurses, she ran over to the doctors wow. and uh, they didn't believe her at first. And then when they came over, they're like, Oh, it could have been muscle spasms or things like that. But then they started to see my eyes start to open and yeah. uh, they knew, and it wasn't like I could walk or anything. It was just my eyes opening. My um, hands were wiggling. I mean, I was yellow because I had, what's called jaundice syndrome or whatever. Mm. And I think that's from people would know it's either your liver or your kidneys. One of them that fails. I mean, I was like a banana. And um, so it was tough, but um, that's incredible though. Yeah. So it's a testimony of faith in my opinion. And I I know Mm. for a fact, I mean, I have no question that that was the power of prayer. Um, So for any of you faith-based don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. Um, Really don't and ask anybody to pray for you because that's, you know, the greatest gift you can get. And um, so after that, okay, I'm thinking it's starting to get over. I'm starting to make progress. They take the breathing tube out of my mouth. I had a breathing tube in my mouth. They go to take out one of the catheters in my neck because I'm starting to make progress here. Mm -hmm. I end up having what's called arrhythm heartbeat. I go into cardiac arrest. They have to do eight minutes of CPR on me. And I go back into another one week coma like less than a 0.01% chance of this ever even happening. And um, of course it happens to me. So this time now I'm in the ICU for over 30 days. Mm -hmm. Um, I wake up and I can't move. It's Valentine's day actually. So I had my surgery in early January, got back into the hospital mid January. And now it's February 14th. And I just remember waking up, there's flowers everywhere, things like that. And, Mm -hmm. um, I remember, I, I remember saying, okay, Matt, like I have to relearn to live my entire life again. You know, wow. I, I can't move my arms. I can't move my legs. It took me, Maddie, it took me two weeks mm-hmm. from laying in my bed to take my very first steps again with four nurses every day coming in to try and oh help. Oh my gosh. So, That's so wild. Like, I just can't even like fathom that, that your brain like like forgot or like lost that ability it's so wow it was my muscles too that was totally depleted so I'm gonna tell Mm. you um I got no food no liquid this was miserable all it was was IVs having dry mouth for a month and a half I don't care if you know if you you know I know I was in a coma for a lot of it but the days that I wasn't Oh my gosh. It was one of the most miserable feelings in the world, not being able to drink anything liquid. It couldn't eat anything. So I, I will tell you how much I weighed after this. It's jaw dropping. So, um, you know, I go, I, I get out of the ICU room. I'm thinking once again, thinking, okay, Matt, we're doing great. It's time to start thinking about getting out of this hospital. So I've been in this one recovery room for about three days and now they're about to ship me off in my bed 
to my final stages of physical therapy. Like, we're hoping to get you out of here this week. Um, it'd be awesome if we could. As they're shipping me off, my stitches burst open, my spleen sticking out of my stomach, and I get oh. rushed into a fifth major surgery. Oh, my God. I shit you not. So they have to do what's called an open wound surgery on me now. So they couldn't close my skin back up, so I had to leave a football-sized mesh on my stomach. They had to take out all of my abdominals. And, yeah, I had this massive, wow. massive, massive football size um, open wound that they basically just covered with a mesh. And, and that led me back into the ICU room. And yeah. uh, I remember I remember waking up and, uh, you know, it was scary because I was actually had a breathing tube in my mouth and I my hands were tied to the bed because I, they didn't want me touching my wound. And for two right. days, they didn't know that I was strong enough to talk or be awake and um I had to sit there for two days without being able to tell, say anything to anybody oh it was one of the most yeah it was it was that one of those moments where you make that decision almost am I going to give up or yeah am I in that rock bottom situation so right um you know obviously what was like I, going do you remember what was going through your head it's a great question I would say I 100% remember I was praying um yeah. You know, I mean, I couldn't pray for two straight days, but I remember asking God, yeah. I said, God, like, listen, I, I literally do have two options here um, in my mind. But then also I would just be like praying that the nurses recognize me. The nurses know that I'm awake. I mean, they could see my eyes and open and stuff, but they don't know like that. Hey, listen, like I'm, I know what's going on here. So, yeah. um, and I prayed and I prayed and eventually they, they found out and, um, it actually wasn't me talking. It was me writing on a piece of paper. They you know, um, took the ropes off my hand and they told me to write on a piece of paper. And I, all I said, what I wrote down was I could barely write. I could barely right. write, but they understood breathing too. And I wanted that thing out of me. Like yeah. get it out of me. Cause you can't talk. And then when they take a breathing tube out of you, you can't talk for about another day as well. I could, I wow. tried talking and it was a scary thing. I had no voice. It was like a uh, little mermaid, I guess. I don't know. Like yeah. you can't talk. Like you That can't is so anything. scary. Oh my God. Yeah. So I'm trying to say these things and I can't say a word. So every, for a full day, I had to write things out of paper and eventually started coming back. But they were telling me like, Hey Matt, your voice should come back. You'll be fine. It's just normal mm -hmm. with the breathing tube. So, um, yeah, I never really got into that, but that, yeah, that was a little more detailed than I usually do. But I, um, yeah, so eventually I get up off the ICU bed and I swear to you, the first time I start walking, I walk further than I ever did previous to the ICU, previous to the wow. recovery. And I think it was just this power that God was like, listen, Matt, like it's time. Like, you know, I'm here to give you one of the greatest lessons ever. And that is the lesson of life, mm -hmm. appreciating time appreciating energy, appreciating what you have in life and how quickly it can be taken away, but also how mm -hmm. precious it is with the people you love, doing the things you love and stop letting other people, stop letting different scenarios, stop letting the outside world dictate your happiness. And and I know mm -hmm. that was good later on, but I think that was yeah. just God's way of like saying, okay, Matt, it's time now. Let's it's start getting you on the right path. And uh, right, right, right. I was, you know, and yeah. uh, a really cool story here is I got out of there, got in the recovery room, got into physical therapy, and finally I was released after 53 days in the hospital. And oh my gosh. so Lauren and I actually met on March 17th of 2016. Mm -hmm. So um, St. Patrick's Day. I was released from the ICU, from the hospital on March 17th of 2017. Oh, wow. <laughs> no question. I do not think it's a coincidence. It's seriously like I truly believe that God like 
put us in that position. It's a lucky day. It's yeah. Irish. It's everything. So I really do believe it was like bringing somebody in your life for a reason. And I already talked about that yeah. of who is that person. So, um, you know, it was really powerful and it's always a special day for us now, you know, every, yeah. every time St. Patrick's Day and now we can have some drinks and really enjoy right. it. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. So, um, so that was kind of my journey. And, and, you know, like I was telling you before, my weight fluctuated so much. So I went from about 190 pounds to 110 pounds in a matter of 53 days. So oh I lost 80 gosh. pounds. I was literally, if I showed pictures, I was a skeleton. Literally, you couldn't yeah. recognize me. So, and wow. if I showed you what I looked like before cancer, you'd be like, what right. is going on? So, I mean, literally in a matter of eight months, I went from this, you know, sculpted, you know, just like I, I predicated myself on my parents and my health and everything mm -hmm. to now fighting for my health to now fighting for my parents. And the, you want to know the hardest part was my body image issue because they mm. took away my abs. I have this big fat lump on me now and it's still here. It's never going to go away. Yeah. That, you know, I, I worked so hard to have you right. know, all this, but you really, you learn quickly that, um, you know, it's, when you aren't so insecure about your body and you appreciate you for who you are and you know that you're at least taking care of your health and you're doing the things you need totally. to, you stop focusing so much on yourself. Yeah. And you start focusing on how can I help others? Happiness isn't going to come from you looking a certain way and getting compliments from other people. Happiness is going to be from you going through challenging moments in your life and saying, mm -hmm. how can I give back in that powerful way to make an impact in that person's life. That's where your true happiness is going to come in. Yeah, take care of your body. Look as good as you can. I'm not telling you to don't do that. I want to as well. Yeah. But you need to help others in the process as well. So yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you have any questions, but yeah, no, kinda... I love that. I totally agree with that. And I think too, like, um, as you know, I'm like a health coach, so I always yeah tell people like it's so much more about what you how you feel and what you're telling yourself and like your self talk, not about what you look like. Like that's easy you know like that can come but like it's really about like what you're fueling your mind and body with that's more important but I'm sure that was like so I have a couple questions so was yeah. you were you strong you said your mom is like very faith-based do you have a strong faith before all this happened great question yes and no mm -hmm. I went to church I believed in God mm -hmm. um but I had some bad habits for sure mm -hmm. did not like I mean i I did things I shouldn't have and stuff like that. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I was easy to blame God for certain things too and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But, um, oh my gosh, this has strengthened it. Like it yeah. has strengthened my, my faith tenfold through mm -hmm. what I went through. So yes, I had that faith with me, but this, you know, this really allowed me, you know, and I could have went two directions and I said, listen, I know that, um, you know, I've, I've got on my side. So, you know, yeah. I, it helped me a lot. Um, but yeah, my mom really instilled that my dad, I, I need to start working on him a little bit more. Um, <laughs> you know, but he's he I think even is starting to get more faithful after seeing everything I went through. Lauren's always been incredible, too. You know, like I said, yeah. like, she's just been amazing. Um, yeah, so um, but I would say that the, honestly, the second most challenging part about cancer was definitely the recovery after my hospital visit, totally. you know, yeah. Um, what was that recovery like? Cause your body now, I mean, you had a literally completely different body. Yeah. I would say this cancer does not stop when you have NED or survivor or yeah. whatever, you know, path you're on. 
There's the mental, emotional side where scanxiety, meaning you're afraid mm -hmm. of when the cancer reoccurring or when you have going in checkups to regaining your weight or, or losing the weight that you might have gained. Because a lot of people actually gain weight during chemo mm -hmm. or just trying to figure out your path. Because I think the hardest part is a lot of your friends and your family expect you to be, they expect me to be the old Matt, the Matt so before true. cancer, the yeah. Matt that was that. And don't get me wrong, I was still, I'm still kind, I'm still loving to others, but I had right. a way bigger vision, a way bigger purpose. And it wasn't right away. It was yeah. me having to take care of myself first, because this is what I always tell people. In order to help others, you have to take care of yourself. This, you probably heard this before. In order, you have to be selfish in order to be selfless. And what that means is if you aren't taking care of your body, you mm -hmm. are, let's go in personal training, you're a health coach. Who's going to listen to you if you're overweight, you're eating the wrong foods? I don't care yeah. how good of advice you have, but if you don't look the part and you aren't and you aren't like actually playing the part, you can't convince somebody to be healthy because like it's just not it, they don't perceive you as that that type of healthy person. So that's how mm -hmm. I said I said, "Listen, it took me 2 years, Maddie, for me to con take control of my mental, emotional, physical health and it was a lot of ups and downs, a lot of ups and downs, but yeah. What I did was I said, what is one, instead of overcomplicating the process of life, mm -hmm. I simplified it. Mm -hmm. I said, what is, instead of what, trying to do five things at once, mm -hmm. trying to take care of, you know, my body, trying to eat the right foods, trying to rekindle my relationship, trying to do that. I said, what is one thing today? One thing, that's it, that I can do to progress myself. It's like that famous saying, Rome wasn't built in a day. And that's what it means. If you put mm -hmm. brick by brick every day and you're consistent, it's a compound effect. And before you know it, whatever barriers you had, whatever you know difficult moments you were going through, you will break through those barriers. You will create new opportunities in your life. You will have a new vision. You become a better version of yourself. But stop making it overcomplicated because when you're trying to do too many things at once, you're going to get nowhere. You're not going to get any mm -hmm. of them done. And guess what? It's going to cause anxiety. It's going to cause stress. It's going to cause self-doubt. It's going to cause all of these mental health in issues that we've been facing in our lives. So when I, when oh, I said, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to simplify life. I'm going to simplify it. Things started coming my way and yeah. um, gain my weight back and everything started kind of coming into play. So Yeah, yeah, that's so important because I think, I mean, I know for me, like it was so overwhelming. First of all, trying to like get back into quote unquote normal life, whatever that means. And yeah. then, yeah, trying to like lose weight from chemo and my hair was growing back and I wasn't confident and it was like just everything at once and also having so much PTSD. So it's like- mm -hmm everything at once is so overwhelming. We just like have to be patient with ourselves. And I think it's really oh hard when we're recovering because we are annoyed that it happened in the first place and we want to get back, but it just like, it doesn't work that way. And we have to be patient with ourselves. Yes. So true. You, I tell everyone this, I say, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to be mm -hmm. angry, but you cannot live in your anger. You cannot live in your grief because that just turns into dwelling. That just turns yeah. into, like you just said, not, you know, having depression, having PTSD, and it's okay. We all are going to have, you know, anxious thoughts and of cancer mm -hmm. potentially occurring. And it's normal. Realize that's normal. Yeah. But you want to know what really helped me was mm -hmm. first I mean, yeah, obviously taking care of myself, but the second I started to give back to other people in, in just mm -hmm. the smallest ways, it's almost impossible. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it is very difficult to constantly worry about yourself and constantly help and give back to people at the same exact time. So when I started yeah. focusing, taking the focus of cancer off myself, saying, hey, mm -hmm. listen, if cancer comes back, it comes back. I will deal with it that way. But 
if I'm fully giving to other people, I can put my time, energy and attention towards mm -hmm. that instead of putting it towards all myself. Because when we are just greedy and we're not greedy, but when we are constantly only focusing about ourselves, of course, we're going to think you find yeah. things wrong with us. Of course, we're going to find things that's stressful. So right. um, use your support system too. Use your faith and start helping other people. Mm. That's it. Yeah. I have a question. Like, what do you think about like to, um, so I have, I guess now a couple questions in my brain. Okay. So good. one You're thing good. that like helped me and I think it sounds like it helped you because the passion that you have is obviously helping people. You're like, if you guys couldn't tell listening, he's a motivational speaker. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you. Um, but how did you find kind of that passion for yourself? Cause I think that's what yes. helps the most, like finding an external thing that like just fires you up, whether it's mm -hmm. helping people and speaking about it or nutrition for me or like fitness or whatever it may be. But like, how did you go about finding that maybe? And then how do you yeah. help others try to find that? Yep. I'll tell you the exact path I took to becoming a motivational speaker to oh, getting I mean, to where I am. Yes. Yeah, if okay. that's if that's kind of what you're looking for. Is that kind Please, of what you, yes. Okay. Yeah. Exact path. At first I thought it was I needed to um you know, I had no, you know, intention of being a motivational speaker. I went through the process of healing myself first. So I, mm. you know, was willing to open up. That was my first thing, starting to open up about my feelings again, you know, starting to share, starting being willing to cry, being willing to, you know, share my emotions. Then mm -hmm. I started to heal my physical body along the way. And after that, for about two years, everyone's on their own timeline. It could take you 10 years, it could take you five years, whatever path you're on. It's just whatever, it could take you two months. I don't know. But mm -hmm. when I finally got to that point where I was like, my body's starting to feel good, my mindset's starting to feel good, what's next? And I think a lot of us as survivors can ask that question of what is next in our journey? Mm -hmm. And I had no idea. And I thought it was me having to go into cancer communities to figure that out. Yeah. But it actually wasn't. It actually wasn't. It was me actually getting in front of entrepreneurs. This is crazy. Mm -hmm. It's not for everybody, but I'm going to tell you why. It's because entrepreneurs take a massive problem, mm -hmm. they solve it, and they use it to impact the world. And I had this just you know when it's in your heart. I'm going to tell yeah. you right now, your mind, it'll tell you positive things, but it's ultimately that intuition in your heart. When you have that gut feeling, that is when I'm telling you, you need to go for it. When you get mm -hmm. those butterflies, when you get chills, that is something higher from you, God, telling you that you need to go after that, whatever mm -hmm. that is that you're thinking. And for me, I started just watching motivational videos. That's all I started mm. to do. I started watching motivational videos. And all of a sudden, I ran across this person named Ed Milet. He's an entrepreneur, but he's more than an entrepreneur. He is a motivational speaker. And his whole entire tagline, the YouTube video was broke to 400 million. I was like, oh, awesome. It was a catchy tagline. I was like, okay, yeah. cool. How do you go from broke yeah, to 400 million? I want to watch million? it. <laughs> exactly. I'll send you the link. And, yeah. um, you know, it had very little to almost nothing of how we actually went from broke to 400 million. It did in the sense of all of the shit, all of the hard times, all of the challenges he went through mm -hmm. that he turned into lessons, that he turned into opportunities to become a better version of himself mm -hmm. and then ultimately impact other people. Yeah. And that right there, when he had, I'll tell you my saying where everything in life happens for you, not you, that's where I found it from was from him. Yeah. And when he said that, I instantly was like, holy cow, like chills went down my spine. And mm -hmm. I knew right then I needed to get, I needed to follow him. I needed to get in front of his community. 
And the craziest thing was two months later, he hosted his very first, him and this other entrepreneur got this um, mastermind together. And they're like, mm-hmm. listen, we're going to get a bunch of entrepreneurs together and um, we're going to start collaborating and doing things like, you know, um, we'll be your mentors and X, Y, and Z. They had a wow. expensive group for high, yeah, they had an expensive group for high level entrepreneurs, not me. And then they had a lower group, but they were still mentors to us. Yeah. Now, I never got to have like one-on-one mentorship. It was more like, you know, I got to talk, you know, they get to go on live and we get to like listen to them and all this stuff. But the cool part was, this was the best part, was I got into a community of like-minded people. You ever, you want to do anything in life, you need to surround yourself with the people who are going to get you to where you need to be. You can't be always hanging around unless those friends are going to help you do this. You can't Mm -hmm. always be hanging around with your high school friends who only talk about their high school glory days or who want to go out and drink every single weekend to drown out the Monday to Friday BS that they feel like they, you know, or letting society dictate their entire path in life. If you want something greater with your life, you need to be around those people who are going to help you get to that. So what I did was I started to get around those people, started sharing my story. I didn't think my story was like that great. I was like, okay, this is cool. Like I knew I went through a lot, but as I started sharing it, I quickly realized that they're like, holy shit, like Matt, yeah. <laughs> like go out and share your story. Right. And you know, Maddie, I'm sure it's the same with you. Like you go out and share your story. You've gone through so much in your life. Mm-hmm. And I was so skeptical at first. I had all these self-doubts, you know, when you first start off in yeah. anything in life, you totally. have all these self-doubts. And that's what the power of it's like hype and power of people uplifting you to get you to that next step, to get you to that next step. So mm-hmm. I kept using those people. I kept using, I got really close with a few people and became amazing friends with them. Still I'm amazing friends with them. And yeah. um, I started sharing my story a little bit. And then one friend, eventually I got out of that group and I, I became crazy close with another friend. He got me into another group. And guess what? I made new connections. I made you know, other avenues. I started learning more about actual side of business. I started learning about investments. I started learning about finances. But more mm-hmm. importantly, I kept sharing my story. I kept saying, well, how do I take my story to the next level? And I got mm-hmm. into another group. And I'm not saying you have to get into all these groups or all these mentorships, but it does help to be around those people. And yeah. this person was like, listen, start a Facebook group. Mm. Like, what? Start a Facebook group? Like, what's that going to do? Like, you want to take your motivational speaking to the next level? Start building a community. Start building mm-hmm. a community with what you're passionate about. And I'm not saying everyone has to start a Facebook group, but there's there's other ways to start building a community because right. they're like, listen, when you start building this community, I promise you, your energy and your passion and what you went through, there are so many people facing it right now that need your support. Mm-hmm. Started off 50 people for the first couple of weeks. So I was like, okay, like, hey, we have 50 people. This is awesome. Yeah, that's and I grew great. To 100. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, I mean, it started off with me first for three months of making connections before I even had the courage to do it. I needed, I needed that person to be like, listen, just freaking do it because I had all this stuff out. And yeah, um, yeah, started off with like 50 people and then it went into a hundred and then it went into 200. And then all of a sudden one week, um, I went a different direction with, I have what's called virtual assistant. It's just a, an individual Mm. who helps me through tasks and stuff. Uh-huh. She and I started diving into other cancer communities. We said, mm-hmm. okay, well, now let's start diving into other Facebook groups. Let's start doing this. And guess what? Before we knew it, like within a, a month, we had almost 1,500 members. And wow. it just exploded. It's like, yes, it was insane. That's amazing. And, but I, this is kind of what I want to tell people is, listen, like, look at life this way. Is like, you're going to have this gradual line for a very long time, very long time. But if you never give up, mm. if you never throw in the towel, There'll be a breaking point where all of the hard work that nobody saw, nobody knew about except for you and maybe one or two other people knew the, how hard you were truly grinding every single day 
And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, all those people who doubted you, all those people who never thought you were going to make it, you're at the top. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to praise you. And it's not like you're doing it for the praise, but I'm just telling mm-hmm. you, this is how it works in life. That's why you need to surround yourself with the right people. That's why you need to be, um, you know, following your purpose, following your intuition, following your heart. Mm-hmm. So now we have, um, you know, in the beginning, I was telling you, we have 3,500 members now. Um, it's growing it's rapidly. I mean, it's, yeah. And, yeah. And it's literally brought me to connections like this. Like, I mean, yeah. we didn't have to connect through Facebook, but the amount of podcasts or just connections I made or communities I've been able to help. Um, and now I'm, I have other bigger ambitions with my life. Yes, I want to still continue in the speaking because I've only done it for such a short time because COVID took a big wrench in it. Right. And I've done a lot more podcasts like this, but I still want to be able to do bigger things with my life. And, um, yeah. you know, I think our dreams are always evolving. That's what I say. Yeah. You know, there's, when you have a purpose in life, it's yeah. You, it's not just like one thing. It, your purpose is always evolving into something bigger because a lot of you will reach that at some point in your life if you don't give up. Mm-hmm. And when you do, it's just going to grow bigger into something more important. So Yeah, it's so true. And there are also just endless things you can do in this world. <clears throat> like I think we're confined to a nine to five and it's like, no, there's so many other things, you know, like we don't have to like be in this. And if you are and you like it, like that's great. But you don't have to be in like this nine to five, like waiting for something to come our way, like a promotion, you know, like there's just endless things you can learn about and like do and read about. And like, it's just, yeah, when you open it up, like things just start to come and you get different ideas and like, just realize how much more there is. So true. And yeah, I'm not putting any shame to anybody. I mean, if you lie, if, all to it to being that mother or that father who has a nine to five and they want to just spend quality time with their totally. kids or yeah totally but yeah I think that we're kind of talking to the people who and their head knows that um they just want something more in life they just mm-hmm. want a bigger they have a bigger purpose they have a bigger vision and um when you truly put time into perspective you realize that you don't want to wait to 60 until you have the freedom that you actually want yeah. you can have it so much quicker by mm. making small sacrifices now to do yeah. what you want or people who are older right now who are watching this it's never too late to change it's never too late some of the most rich famous or rich or it doesn't even have to be rich it could just be most fulfilled people in life didn't start right. their journey till they were 60 70 years old so mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> um okay i have two more questions okay um okay first one is what do you feel like how do you explain to people like investing in yourself like whether it's investing in like like you like did with like that program or like a coach Mm -hmm. or something like that because I don't think um that's talked about that much because like for instance I had a business coach I think I was telling you about on our first call but like I had a business coach like she's the reason I started this like the podcast is my idea but she pushed me to do it so um just want your thoughts on that I love it um how I look at investing in yourself, it starts with you. Mm-hmm. Any journey you go with in life is you and your faith. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's just you and your faith. And then you can get one person, then you can get two, and then more than that. So it starts up, it starts with the mindset and it starts with your heart. So it starts with first just eliminating all of the distractions, all mm-hmm. of the self-doubt, all of the fear that you have in your life of feeling worrying what other people think of you. Mm-hmm. feeling like you're not worthy enough. A lot of us, 
feeling like we're not worried enough when we actually get success being like, Oh, we, why do we deserve this success? And X, Y, and Z doesn't because we're predicating our success of maybe we didn't do, I was a C and luckily B minus if that and more, even someone D student in, in high school. And mm. if I were to let my success of high school dictate what I'm doing now, mm. I would have so much insecurities in my life. So it's eliminating those insecurities, surrounding yourself with the people who are going to help get to your destination mm-hmm. and really learning to take imperfect action. And what I mean by that mm-hmm. is when you are reading a book or when you are in a mastermind or when you are just going for something, you need to take action and be prepared to fail along the way. That is what imperfect action is. It's saying, I'm going to take actionable steps and I know I'm going to fail, but guess what? I'm not going to let that failure take away my dream take away what I'm trying to accomplish. A lot of people look at failure as some negative thing, but I look at failure as feedback. Failure is success. Every no gets you closer to a yes. And when you can start doing that, you allow yourself to push forward and break through those barriers. So investing in yourself is first taking care of your mindset, following your heart, eliminating all the BS in your life, getting in front of the right people, allowing them to help guide you when you are having those self-doubts because we're all going to still have them. Mm-hmm. And then taking imperfect action. Because at the end of the day, you can read every single book in the world and have all the knowledge. But if you're not willing to take action and you're too afraid of failing, what's the point? Yeah. What is the point? Seriously. So yeah. that's how I look at it is investing in yourself. You know, mm-hmm. um, you don't have to spend. I spend a lot of money on mentorship. You don't have to. Yeah. You, like I said, you can read books. You can start off with YouTube videos. The world is endless. Elon Musk said this. Like literally the knowledge is everywhere now. He even says like, he doesn't even think people, some people don't need to go to college and things like that. And I agree because there's yeah. so much knowledge at our fingertips now So true. that 20, 30 years ago, we never had, we didn't have the internet. So think of right. it that way. Investing in yourself is just, are you willing to put your time and energy towards the things that's going to get you to where you need to be in your life? Yeah. Period. Yeah. So true. Yeah. You can literally learn anything now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's pretty amazing. Um, okay, love that answer. And my final question is, what's your like, maybe piece of advice, like one or two key things you would tell someone that just finished treatment? Yes. All right. So number one would be, I truly believe it's okay to not feel okay certain days. You know, that's mm-hmm. that famous saying everyone thinks about, and it can get overplayed a little bit. But I really do believe that stop being so hard on yourself. It is very easy to say, I, I, I really need to get to this point after cancer, or I need to figure out this relationship, or I need to take care of these finances right away, or all of these things. And we get so down on ourselves when we don't accomplish it, that mm-hmm. um, we go back into these, you know, tough mental states that we're going through. So that would be my number one thing is, it's okay to have down days, it's okay to still not feel like it's your best and recover. And Mm -hmm. don't be so hard on yourself along this journey. You went through a lot. Remember, we are our own worst critics. And Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the times, just put things in perspective. Mm -hmm. Gratitude and perspective. So I can go my next two things is gratitude and perspective. Look at what you've overcame. Look at um, all the things that, you know, you're growing from now that you're going to be, you know, improving on. And think of things that you're grateful for. Mm -hmm. Think of things in your life your family, um, you know, the fact you're still here, 
um, you know, X, Y, and Z, what are you grateful for? And it'll put things, um, you know, into a more happier and per, uh, greater perspective into your, into your life. Um, and yeah. I have a really cool acronym that I want to yeah. share too. And it's, it's hope it's help mm-hmm. one person every day. And I truly believe when oh, you I are, like a sur- yeah, I truly believe when you're a survivor, um, when you do start getting ready to help others, start with one person. I want you to think about that because by you helping that one person is actually helping potentially 10 to 15 other people because that person will take what you've taught them and teach the next person. And as you help 10 people, it can turn into 100. And when you help 100 people, it can turn into thousands, but you just don't even know it. Yeah. So remember, hope. Give hope to somebody by helping one person every day. I love that. I mean, Thanks. mic drop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you can use it. I learned it from a man named Jim Quick. So he's uh, I love that. a great guy. So it's so yeah. true. And I think we help people like when we when we're not even like realizing it too, but by just being in like that, like headspace and starting to like, just share and talk to new people like you're doing so much. So I love that. Yeah. Uh, Amazing, Matt. And how can like people find you? You know, like if people yeah. want to like get more motivated, because like now I'm motivated. I'm fired up. <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> Um, yeah, absolutely. So if you're, if you are a patient survivor or caregiver, if you've been impacted in cancer in any way, please check out my Facebook group. Um, I can give you the link if you want Maddie, but it's, it's yeah, I uh, have the cancer. link and I'll put it in the awesome. description, but yeah, yeah just for people to know what's it called. Yeah. It's, uh, taking back your life from cancer. It starts with cancer patients slash survivor. And then it says taking back your life from cancer. We, um, you know, it's an, a loving, incredible family that is for people who are willing to open up and just kind of share with what they're going through. If you want to, um, if you're looking for a motivational speaker, go to my website, which is mattodspeaks.com. Mm-hmm. Would love to connect there. Um, it g- it'll give you more information about, you know, what I do and um, how to connect with me, things like that. Um, and it'll get in contact with my email. And then Instagram is just M-A-T-T-Y, uh, Maddie underscore Odie. And then um, Facebook and LinkedIn are Matt Odie as well. And a really cool thing too, Amazing. if you want to check out my YouTube channel, um, <laughs> I have to start putting more videos on there again. But me and Lauren did a channel. Um, it's just Matt Odie, but we did a channel called Dating After Diagnosis. And it kind oh. of is our journey together. And she shares yeah. her thoughts. I share my thoughts. And um, it's really cool. We have about five or six episodes. We need to do some more here soon. But um, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's something we want to progress on for sure. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay, I'm going to put all that information in the episode description so you can all easily cool. find it. Um, thank, you. thank you so much, Matt. This was amazing. I mean, I got uh, a free you. like motivational <laughs> session. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you for having me, Maddie. I know we're going to stay in touch too because I want to talk to you about like um, a yeah. Facebook Live and stuff. So we'll talk more after this, but I appreciate you having me on. I hope this yes. helped your community. And Thank um, you. Yeah, for sure. Amazing. Thank you. Yes, we'll for sure stay in touch. And I'll talk to you Wednesday. (laughs) Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks, the podcast where we get down to the nitty gritty of what actually happens before, during, and after cancer. Hosted by me, Madison Pollack. Follow along for updates and guests on Facebook and Instagram at Cancer Actually Sucks Podcast.